0: And welcome, and welcome to the Winter Meltdown, let's hear it, give yourself a big hand. We have, our special guests have arrived. Uh, but first, before we announce our special guests, to introduce our special guests, I would like to, uh, like to welcome to the stage my partner on the Gleeman and the Geek podcast, you guys known him as Longtime Blogger. <laughs> Aaron Gleeman, come on down. <laughs> that's just great. I grabbed one of those.
1: <laughs> Is this uh, I'm a? I'm I'm a heel now. It's like when Stone Cold Steve Austin switched. I like that. Uh, yeah, John has Gleeman 316. To yeah, that's right. That's my weight. <laughs> not, a, not, a, not a Bible reference. I like that, actually. Um, yeah, you've turned this into multiple uh, introductions. But sure. I'll introduce our actual people you're excited to see. Please don't boo them. You can continue to boo me all you want. Uh, but we have uh, two. This is, the, this is like how many years have we been doing this? Like 12 years or something? Something like that. This is our first time having active twins players, which I'm excited about. And uh, two native Minnesotans. Two of what, I, in my opinion, was the best rookie class production-wise in Twins history. Which is saying right. something. Yeah, I know. A, uh, I mean, for
0: a f- franchise that prides itself on calling people up from the minors, yes.
1: that's a big deal. <laughs> had that, that the very best that one. It is yeah. a big deal. So, yeah. Louis Varlin, Matt Wallner, the pride of uh, North St. Paul and Forest Lake, <laughs> respectively. Take a seat. <laughs> See, okay, so I get booed and then he gets lewd. <laughs> I don't know about that. I might have to change my name. <laughs> if I change my name to Aaron Kubel, then I can say you guys were just kubeling me. Uh, thank you guys for coming.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Is this, when you, uh, I mean, you both grew up Twins fans, obviously. Did you go to Twins Fest when you were just kids? Like? I did,
2: at the Metrodome. That's right. Yeah. I actually, I actually have a picture with uh, me and Marno and Mauer way back in the day, like ten years ago.
1: Is it? Is it like? <laughs> it's surreal, right? Then to be, I mean, especially this <laughs> this time with all the Hall of Fame stuff with Mauer and everything. He's he, but you know, he's around, and obviously Morno's around every day yeah. doing the broadcast stuff. Like, is it a little weird? or do you just do they just become guys at some point like after a while
2: it, yeah it, it it completely came full circle i talked to to marno and mauer today too but not, like as a friend now so instead of like a fan so it's was, it was really cool
1: <laughs> <laughs> and i mean like okay as a as a left-handed hitter this is a i'm assuming you were like mauer and morno are guys to emulate or were you like no screw them, i'm going for a Jason Tyner was my big. Like, well, <laughs> sorry Kubel. to Jason maybe Tyner. J- maybe Jason. Kubel. Yeah, Jason Kubel. That's <laughs> nice.
3: Yeah, I mean Kubel was great, but it was always the Eminem brothers with Morneau and Maurer for me. And uh, I don't know if I'd go as far to call him a friend like Louie, but just seeing him around every day is <laughs> pretty surreal. I'm not. I mean, if I can go have a beer with Morneau, you know, we're talking to Maurer, but yeah, uh, they're they're awesome guys.
1: Well, that was. I mean, part of why I was excited to talk to you guys today was when you guys you had the celebration after the division title, but then after you swept the Blue Jays, being in the clubhouse and watching you guys celebrate and watching you, you, took, you lost the shoes, uh, you had to get on the floor and they dumped beer in your head, I remember <laughs> that was a highlight for me to watch. I don't know if it was as fun for you. Being that was on, a highlight for me yeah. too,
3: that was awesome.
1: Uh, but it really came across to me with you two and then also Caleb Fieldbar, how it meant a lot to everybody, obviously. and. I'm a, I'm from St. Paul. I'm a lifelong Twins fan. I've been writing about him for 20 years. And so th- it was a big feeling to watch the streak get ended and everything. And I thought the vibe in the ballpark was amazing. But then to see you guys, I felt like there was like another 10% on top of what it meant to everyone else to see you two and Caleb. Did you feel like, and especially to come in as rookies and end it, was part of you like, oh, shit, it's easy. Like, what,
3: if, you, <laughs> if we'd have been here earlier, like... No, I mean... Uh... <laughs> But it, it was super just awesome to be a part of that. And um, I, I had watched us lose to the Yankees so many years in a row. So just winning the game. Yeah. It was just the most <laughs> fulfilling moment. So I enjoyed every every minute of that.
0: Well, I mean, how about just even before that moment? Like just getting into the postseason and having, you know, I mean, you guys have made your appearances in 2022, but this is the first time you really had a lot of time up with the big league club to find yourself in a postseason and you're, what is your – you know, biggest first year, your breakthrough years kind of in some ways. What was that? What, again, Was is it sort of like this is easy? or uh, do, do, Can you recognize just how uh, odd or <laughs> lucky that is to do that early, so early in your career? Yeah. I mean, spe- especially with this franchise, which can go through some droughts. You know, <laughs> you you were Twins yes. fans. You know, you were here. We, from yeah, 2011 we've been doing. <laughs> we've
1: been doing a podcast for over a decade, and yeah. we had never talked about a playoff series win. So we'd only talked about one playoff series appearance before 2019, oh, and that was true. a wild card in New York. Right, well, now <laughs> you're just now you're just making me sad that we kept doing the show through that. But. Right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, uh, like against Toronto, I was sitting in the bullpen, and I. <laughs> I can just remember getting goosebumps because the place was just packed and extremely loud, and I've never seen Target Field like that. It was super cool, but I gotta say, uh, no part about the big leagues is easy. But I mean, <laughs> okay. that was the first thing <laughs> I was gonna say. Nothing's easy. No, it, it's a lot more in depth and a lot more to it up there. But had uh, you
0: had you been to any games like? At the Metrodome as kids for yeah. that kind of environment, so you could kind of compare it to being in the stands uh, for game 163 or something like that?
3: Um, yeah. I, I mean, th- the environment that we had against, you know, the, the home playoff games was, like, just playing it was surreal and nothing that I've ever experienced. But, um, yeah, I, I remember as a kid watching game 163 on television, and that was that was so much fun, but I've never, never experienced anything like the energy that was in. Uh, it was different. Especially, yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I knew for a fact we were going to win both games against Toronto. I had no doubt in my mind just from the energy from you guys and all the Twins fans. It
1: did it did feel like once you won the first one, which that's like the monkey off the a back. Huge off I felt the like the yeah. vibe from the first inning on the next day was almost like yeah, of course, like yeah, why yeah. wouldn't why not? Now that you've done one. You might as well do, too. I realize in retrospect, for me sitting up in the press box, it's very easy to say that. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll win this one. Like, sure, yeah. I'll eat popcorn here. <laughs> Look on Twitter, and we'll really crush the Blue Jays part. Was that – I've been – and then, to I think, obviously, guys, you lose to Houston, but I felt like that series in general was a real competitive series. You win a great game there. And I feel, you know, coming into this season, for me at least, as someone who's – you know, writing about a million playoff losses—it's clean slate. You've proven, you guys have proven it can be done. You had a, a decent battle with Houston, even, and obviously they've been to so many World Series and stuff. Is the feeling going into the season, especially after having so many rookies like you guys, but Royce and Julian and everybody else, that like, all right, now we've seen—we scratched the surface of what's possible. Nobody has to talk about this dumbass streak anymore except for when I ask you about it here. Uh, <laughs> is the feeling kind of now like, all right, now it's just clear path. Now we can just sort of create our own, you can create your own streak, but create our own sort of era of Twins baseball in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, I would say, especially getting that first win and the first series win in forever. And now it, 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 it's like a great way to build off that with the group of guys we have now going into this season. So it, it, it's, it's super exciting. Then
0: when you ended up facing Houston the next round, I mean,
2: they obviously have the
0: playoff pedigree, the championship pedigree. I don't know, six years in a row they made the ALCS now, something like that. Did, was it different – face? was it different – did it have a different feel facing them than facing another – facing the Blue Jays, facing another baseball team? Did you feel like – do you feel like their experience helped them? And related question, you feel like that experience is going to help you in the future? Like did you feel there's something to be gained from going through it once – Already,
3: yeah, I think a hundred percent. It was almost when we were in Houston, like their fans expected them to win, like they had no doubt that they were going to win, and that's just from them winning for so many years. And I just think that's the kind of tone that we can set going forward. I think experience is huge. Um, just getting at bats and appearances and in playoff games, it's it's different baseball. So, or just in meaningful games periods when you're trying to win the division. So. Um, I really think that going forward, I mean, we have a we have a solid core, and I think we might come to expect some things. So this should be exciting. There you go. Everybody, like, I was asking about how,
1: how cool it is to be from Minnesota and do this. Is there a downside? Like, maybe, like, you have endless number of tickets you guys have to secure for family members and that. Like, is it, like it's great. Every kid dreams of playing for the team in their home. But is there ever a point where you're like, yeah, there's uh, two hundred people at this game or whatever. Like, yeah. it'd be nice if I could just pitch. I don't have to like work with the the PR department before every game to get an entire section of seats. Like, a, yeah, you even did that at Yankee Stadium. You had a whole section. I, of, I uh, did have that a that big section,
2: up. and eventually I had to draw the line because everybody wants a ticket. Everybody's in town, so it's like, all right, here's the line. You, like, you gotta be family, this and that, be in town, whatever. But
1: uh, yeah, you get cousins you never even met before. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah you exactly. remember. I was at your birthday party when you were six. I need good and, seats. Every, and
2: everybody's my best friend now.
1: That's, That's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Matt, simpler for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who I didn't know that I get a friends with, so it's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's such a blessing, and it, it's it's awesome. I mean, I can – just when I'm sitting in the outfield, like I see the seats that I used to sit in as a kid, and just kind of like it's surreal for me. So, like, it's, it's just special. <laughs> um, and just my parents being able to come to every game and my grandparents and extended family that otherwise wouldn't be able to come if I was somewhere else. So, that's – it's always awesome.
0: When you end up with the last out of the inning, do you try to throw it to the ball where you used to, to the seat where you used to uh, sit, or is it too far away? No. Even no, for no. your arm?
3: No, we, we were in the cheap
1: seats <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> he, okay, well, since you mentioned his arm, yeah. so I wanted to ask you this. So, like, I felt like when you first came up this year, when you were first up, they tested you a couple of times. I think Brandon Belt might have run on you. You nailed him at second. And then I feel like people just completely stopped testing you. So do you ever – I remember talking to Kadir about this a few years ago too because he had the same thing. He had like 15 kills his first couple years, and then he had like two after that because no one – as an ex-pitcher who – I don't know if you've ever seen your uh, baseball savant page, but you have a 100th percentile arm on there. Do you ever wish like it wasn't – it was only like a 97th percentile arm so you could throw a few more people out because they actually test you?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I can say all this, but the guy next to me throws a hundred. So, like, what am I, I going to say? I have a great story <laughs> about Matt Wallner's arm though. We're
2: in, we're in, we're we're playing against Arkansas, or in Arkansas, playing against the Travelers in Double A. And this one week, this dude threw out four people at the plate, and the third base coach <laughs> kept trying him. I'm like, "What are you doing? He's done it time and time again. Like, eventually, you're going to learn to not send the guy." But he kept producing, <laughs> like, throwing people out it is funny cuz i remember
1: like when kirloff and Larnik came up a few years ago they were shocked by how few fastballs they got and i remember talking to rocco about it and his thing was like i mean there's scouting reports at double a AA and triple a now there's 20 years ago a guy might have come up and it's like we're going to test him we're going to see it. first we'll see if he can hit fast there's none of that anymore cuz they know what you can do already but for whatever reason i felt like the arm strength i, could, I was sitting next to Dana's in the press box you threw out two guys and i'm like they Nobody wanted to look this shit up. Like they know. <laughs> like I mean, they they found out. So yeah, I thought it w- it's it's a fun weapon to have, but also there is value in just never being tested. I guess it's not as fun because you don't get to air it out. But
3: yeah, I mean, but just, if someone goes, just no. That's all I got. Every time I throw yeah. into well, it to so, it, don't don't ever doubt that. Well, and you
1: can still air it out. You can hit. You can overthrow the cutoff man once in a want to go to the plate just to let everybody know. Like this can happen. A reminder, a little yeah, reminder. reminders.
0: Like, yeah. After that, they did quit trying to get to take third base from yes. first base. They just oh, started they just started to play station to yeah. station. Yeah, the Blue Jays, specifically, I remember <laughs> deciding
1: to, to change their strategy. Do you? Would you? Okay, so yeah, you, you also throw hard, Louis. We know. <laughs> do you think, in general, do you think major league hitters talk more about their pitching ability, or do major league pitchers talk more about their hitting ability? Like in general, <laughs> it's what kind a, of? Were you a good
2: hitter? I was, I was not a good hitter. Okay. Well, I we appreciate I, I, I was, the honesty. I was a good hitter for Minnesota high school baseball. Okay. When the grand scheme of things, is not that good of a hitter. Right. <laughs> so you, be,
3: I, hey, be, be careful here.
2: I, you're, you're right. No. Okay. And then I was going to bring up like, I, like I thought I was a good hitter, and then I compared my stats like the Matt Wallners, the Michael Bushes, right. in the same state. And it's like, all right, I'm really not a good hitter. <laughs> but there's plenty of pitchers on the pitcher staff that think they are the best hitter ever. And we'll talk about it and this and that. And like, dude. You well, we,
1: like for three years, Maeda would constantly be like, listen, if this thing goes 15 and you need someone, I can pinch run, I can hit. And then you look up his stats with a Dodger, and he, was, he was like one for 18 with 12. and you're like,
2: okay.
3: My, Yeah, Maeda and Emilio Pagan yeah. were as confident as it gets if they got in the batter's box. It was unbelievable. Yeah. A
2: sneaky, really good hitter that's a pitcher, though, is Fundy. Fundy yeah. actually hit well, in college. He, yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah so it, if, if it comes down to a 15th inning, we need a pitcher to play, it, it that's might, a it's going to be Fundy.
1: Yeah, because yeah, he was like a power-hitting first baseman, was, right? And was, yeah. Uh, was it D2, maybe? But yeah,
3: I huge one I played against him in a regional at Arkansas in my sophomore year, and he had a homer over my head. So, I mean, that guy can yeah. swing it.
1: Yeah, that's
0: are you disappointed? The National League went DH only, so you're never really going to get a <laughs> yeah. chance to
1: a chance no, to, to I,
2: swing at the plate. It, it would have been really bad. Anyways. Come on, it's uh,
1: better to leave a little mystery, right? Yeah. Because like, but okay. So when you were in high school, you won Minnesota High School Player of the Year, but mostly as a as a pitcher. Not that you weren't a good hitter, but I remember even at the time, and you were were you going to go to North Dakota, and then their program folded, or what was the story?
3: Yeah, I was committed to North Dakota. They were. My only Division One offer, so. But it was mainly, I was going to go as a hitter, but also, to pitch as well. And then uh, they 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 banged the program, so um, the first one to call was was Minnesota. After that, but they only wanted me as a pitcher. They wouldn't. They didn't even want Louie. It was weird, but. <laughs> but, but I wanted to hit, so I uh, I went down south. So. Yeah.
1: Did
0: you do any pitching in college?
3: I did my. Freshman and sophomore year. Freshman okay. year was good. Sophomore year got a little ugly. That's so the closer, don't right? Don't look it up. I was the closer. <laughs> and then ba- Basketball was good. Off speed, not so much. <laughs> and
1: by that point, I mean, you were putting up big numbers. You were breaking do- a lot of Dozier's records, I'm assuming, at, at Southern Miss, right?
3: I try. I mean, that guy yeah. has a lot more hits than I got. but
1: Yours probably went a little further, though.
3: <laughs> that's uh, that's my th- best bet.
1: But did you basically think, all right, if this is going to happen for me, because you were drafted out of high school – late rounds by the twins Mm -hmm. was there ever any possibility of signing out of high school with them or was it just
3: no I mean I I think I was I wanted to go to college the whole time and kind of yeah I got drafted as a pitcher so I wanted I wanted to hit I I love pitching but I love to work on hitting even more it's kind of and obviously it's one of my biggest passions so um that was always what I wanted to do when you were drafted did you Talk to anybody about
0: hey, maybe I could pitch occasionally or anything like that. Was that, yeah. that even in the conversation? No, Tani.
3: Uh, I think it's when possible when got, for anybody. Did you right? ever
0: have a conversation That's with anybody in a major league or, or no. a major league organization about throwing from the mound?
3: I think when I got drafted, I was actually at the Twins game, so there was I was just kind of in awe. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. I went and walked in, in the <laughs> right. back room, and then um, <laughs> the second time the scout ever, I told him basically I wasn't going to sign, and then he called me as like a last minute ditch effort. And, I think I was in the Culver's drive-through at that point, so <laughs> I wasn't really in thinking it. I was like, "No, nah, I'm not doing it." But thank you.
0: I want a Twin Cities tour of places that Matt Walner. <laughs> right. I don't know why Had significant
1: life. I don't events. know why I remember that. But that's what I remember. Well, then, I mean, college-wise, I, I wrote a story about you like in the middle of last year, and I talked to Marcus McKenzie, who's the visiting clubhouse manager at Target Field. But when you were at Concordia, he was your pitching coach, and I talked to him. And I was fascinated by the. I'll let you tell the actual story. But you, your brother, Gus, who was also in the majors last year, uh, which is amazing, two guys yeah. from Concordia being know, in right? the majors, not to speak badly of Concordia or anything, yeah. but that is amazing. Uh, he was two years ahead of you. One year. Okay, one year ahead of you. And basically, you thought, that conference is a good spot, but I want to compete against him. Yeah. And then you basically reached out to whatever, nine or 10 other teams, I don't know how many are in yep. that conference, and nothing?
2: Uh well, so the story is in high school my brother committed year ahead of me to Concordia, and then that made it uh, realistic for me to play college baseball. So then I really took it serious. This and that. My brother's North Concordia. I've always I've always pitched underneath the shadow. Of my brother played like underneath the shadow. of My brother on the same team. So I was like, screw that. I'm not gonna follow him there. I want to play against him because you know it's a brother thing. I want to want to I want to beat him. Right. So <laughs> I reached out to all the other schools in the conference. Some reached back. Most didn't, uh, and then I was, I was left with, and the only one I didn't reach out to was Concordia, and then eventually my, my brother talked to the coach. I got in contact. We had this conversation, and eventually I committed there, and again, followed my brother, uh, pitched underneath the shadow. He was a, a really good college pitcher, and then, uh, then, yeah, and here we are today.
1: I mean, it's, it'd be a worse shadow if it was like, yeah, he's with the Dodgers now. And you're just hanging out with us here, <laughs> but not getting, it, like, it's not, now I'm speaking badly of everybody out there. If you guys were all Gus Varlin's brother, you would really be under his shadow. He's not really that under his shadow. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting. It's also, I mean, you talk about, like, it's surreal to see Maurer and Morno and stuff, but the fact that Marcus works in the same office as you basically yeah. now and actually the, is twins, pretty incredible
2: the too. twins bullpen catcher was my college catcher Connor Olson which oh, is wow. it, it's all tied together really funky but it's all great
0: what's it like joining a major league organization being drafted when you're coming out of the northern
2: sun uh,
0: conference like uh, do you feel like you feel treated any differently or did you feel uh, uh, when you compare notes with people who were playing yeah. you know SEC or whatever, do you uh, do you say well my my exp- college experience was not the same as your college yeah. experience <laughs> and and do you feel like the prep preparation for it is different do you feel do you wonder if the coaches and such looked at you differently
2: because of that that was not the case. Uh, initially it was weird cause I was sharing the field with these like D one big time prospects. Right. I'm like, why am I here? I'm just a small little D two guy, <laughs> but I, I knew I worked harder than everybody and things worked out, but it was very eye opening that I needed like a second, a third, a fourth and a fifth pitch. I came into pro ball with just a fastball. And then, and, you know, I just worked hard at it, and, and things worked out. But, yeah.
0: Do you feel like uh, being a, little, a younger brother helped you with that little bit of spite that you had?
2: hundred percent. A hundred percent. Me and him went through battles uh, and growing up, and, yeah, it was the best thing for us.
1: Now, I mean, obviously, when you, I mean, you were throwing 94, 95 as a starter last year, but then when you switched to the bullpen late in the year, you were – I mean, you hit 100 a few times, I know. But then I feel like your fastball was really good. But then you were throwing, I don't know, like a 92-93, it looked like, cutter, basically. Mm-hmm. And, like, metrics-wise, that was being impossible for people to square up out of the bullpen. And so when you talk about, you know, coming out of college or high school or whatever, fastball only, now you have a f- starter pitch mix, but also now you're improving a pitch basically while you're in the majors. Or I know you right. went to Triple A for a little bit and worked on it, too. Is it hard to have full confidence in that where you're like, you mm-hmm. have to trust now that this pitch that – Five years ago wasn't even something you threw, is now potentially like your best or second best pitch. And it's like, I got to be able to throw this against all star pitch, pitchers or yeah. players now and be like, I have to know that this is a legit pitch.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it was easy easy for me to like find confidence in that pitch because I was getting swing and miss on it in the zone. Right, right. And that's usually a good tell. And then from there, I just grew the confidence and, give it, and, and conviction just to keep throwing it. And, and yeah, it, it has turned into a, a like, it has turned into, into my best pitch.
1: This is basically what happened is you were too, you were too fucking good out of the bullpen. <laughs> and, and Rocco was like, God damn, we might have something here. <laughs> yeah. So I'll ask you, we get a lot of questions about this. And I actually, I, we talked to Falvey about it yesterday. Uh, you've been a starter. You've won minor league pitch of the year twice as a starter. You've had success as a starter in the majors. But also it was undeniable. I mean, obviously you noticed it too. Coming out of the bullpen, the numbers were crazy. The velocity was crazy. You've said you want to be a starter, and yesterday, Falvey, I'll tell you, Falvey was like, yeah, we're going to have him stretched out. He'll work as a starter. Mm-hmm. But do you? What is? what are your thoughts on if you get to spring training and it looks like it's a, more of an opening in the bullpen on opening day yeah. than in the rotation on opening day? Is your feeling, I'd rather be in the majors regardless of the role, or... I would like to take this starter thing as long as you can take it. Because it's not like you were bad as a starter. It's just that you were really, really good as a reliever.
2: And I completely understand that. And the three things I have to say on that is, one, I'm going to pitch to my best ability in either role. I think this year it's important to be just at the big league level and getting that experience and all those innings. But uh, but as of right now, I'm building up as a starter. Come spring training, I'm going to do my best to compete for a starting role. And uh, if it comes down to it where – Where I'm sure I won't I won't be the one picking where like if if I'm a starter or reliever I I want to make the decision hard on the coaches like as hard as possible so and that's my goal right and it's
1: it's much easier to (laughs) it's much easier to be ramped up to throw five or six innings and then ramp down than the reverse exactly
2: and at the end of the day you can't take pitching in the major leagues for granted I think I did a little bit of that yesterday when I I was not in a position to pick and choose if I want to be what type of pitcher I want to be. You
0: can't, because it's it, all in tomorrow. So, need to interrupt the sh- uh, show for just a second to do get a couple words from our sponsors. The first one is Chomps. I <laughs> <laughs> love the
1: sound effect. That's why we get the big bucks because of my sound uh, <laughs> effect. Work. My
0: Foley work. Uh, Chomps feels to me like a life hack. Like, meat sticks just seems like a life hack. And they, uh, whenever I'm hungry in the afternoon, I can just go grab a meat stick. It's full of protein, it's not a lot of calories. Uh, you know, it's uh the way they do it is they're making it out of uh, making snacking simple. Uh, lots of mouth-watering flavors that they have, the best real ingredients. And so to me, it's just been a, a go-to snack now for like two months.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can get a variety pack. Uh, you can pair them with stuff. They got nine different flavors. They sent us each a, a pack, like a variety pack. Yeah, We tried it, yeah. them all. They were good. They got a lot of protein. They can be low carb. They can be allergy friendly. You can pick and choose which ones you want. And like yeah, like like
0: companies that uh, you know do one thing, they tend to focus on doing that one thing. Or like here's an example: they only source from farmers who raise animals humanely and farm responsibly. Like that's not something you're gonna get from any old meat stick.
1: Uh, (laughs) Any old meat stick. Chomps is offering our listeners 20% off their first order and you get free shipping. All you have to do is go to Chomps, C-H-O-M-P-S, chomps.com, slash gleeman. Go to chomps.com, slash gleeman to see all the flavors and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's chomps, C-H-O-M-P-S, dot com, slash gleeman. Don't forget to use our link and code so they know uh, we sent you. Another
0: example of something that I use on a regular basis, this is Lifehawk, is earbuds and in particular, we really—I really like the Raycon earbuds that I've got. Um, you know, they've got good battery life. Honestly, they're just well engineered, and that is. It sounds like a weird thing because you're used to just putting headphones, you know, wired headphones in your head. Yeah. But the truth is it's a different story when they're wireless. You need to know that they're connected. You need to have them maintain yeah.
1: that connection. They connect even if you're a doofus like me. They right. connect very easily to to And they give you a little Bluetooth. audio signal when you do yes. that, right? Uh, yeah. Good battery life on them, which is also key. Right. Good audio quality, right. which is key, and then the other thing that I think is sort of underrated, especially if you're wearing them for like multiple hours at a time the actual fit or feel in your ear. Right. Like, the physical fit right. is better than a lot of other uh, brands that I've used. Before Raycon... And, and, and that's at
0: half the price of a lot of the premium audio brands. Yeah. And
1: so. if you go to buyraycon.com slash gleaming today, you can get 15% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's buyraycon, B-U-Y, R-A-Y-C-O-N. Buy Raycon.com slash Gleeman to get 15% off and free shipping. Buy Raycon.com slash Gleeman. Okay, we're going to get you back to the show, but first, Aaron Gleeman with one more chomp. The other thing I want to I ask you, Matt, about was you came up. I think you reached base like 10 straight plate appearances or something. Got sent back down because there were just not clear openings in the corner outfield. Uh, and you kept crushing at AAA, and then every time they would call you up, you would crush in the majors, and then it would be like, okay, we'll see you in a few weeks. Go back to... Like, how was it trying to keep focus or just trying to keep your, like, morale up, basically, knowing it's not anything I've done poorly, and if anything, you were doing great in the majors. It's more about opportunity, which sort of goes to what you were saying. It's like, there are some positions where it's like they need a guy there. There are some positions where it's like, this guy's slugging 650 at AAA, but we have some guys at this spot. How did you sort of view that, or kind of keep that momentum going at Triple A, knowing that the the door could open at any time, even if it wasn't open at that at that point?
3: Yeah, um, it's a frustrating process, but you just got to understand it's part of the game, and uh, that's why I think uh, it's so important to have to have veterans to talk to, like Emilio Pagan or Kyle Farmer, to go to like. Uh, when I got optioned the last time against the Blue Jays or whenever I had that streak going, yeah. I knew after the game I was getting option. <laughs> like, I knew it was coming. But I'm like, okay, right. I'm going to go get on base every time today. And that's truly the first time in my life I've actually backed that up. Normally, it's just like, I think it was just lucky. But I knew it was coming. So, I was like, I'm pissed off. Nice timing, for everything. It was just lucky. Well, but, like, you, you kind of know when it's coming at certain times and you walk on feet and or walk on your tippy toes and... Try not to see Rocco in the clubhouse. Walk yeah, around, him. around him. This is well because so we, he might forget about you, but he never does. <laughs> <laughs> he never forgets about you. And you think you think maybe
1: this will be the time I got to go in his office. He's just gonna give me like a high five and be like, "Good enough." It's,
3: it's always the same. It's no. never that time. Yeah, it's never that time.
1: Well, we because I mean you can do the roster math, right? I mean like someone's coming back from the IO or someone you know they're eligible to be called up. And we were doing the roster math that day up in the press box, and as you got on base for like the 400th time in a row, <laughs> we were like, at some point, this is getting—it's we- getting weird. Yeah. And but... fortunately, you were back relatively soon, and then it down in the second half, you basically became a, a regular. Yeah. And the other thing I want to ask you about is, I feel like you're a guy who hits the ball very far. Mm-hmm. You take a lot of walks. The one area of skepticism that people always bring up is strikeouts, 100%. which people hate strikeouts, obviously. Um, But, A, your strikeout rate was high, but it wasn't crazy high last year, I feel like, especially for a rookie. But I know that a lot of Rocco and some coaches talked about how impressed they were with when you did go through, like, your first little slump of, of your big league career, and there were a lot of, you know, talk about can you catch up to high velocity? Is that like a – not a hole in your swing, but it's an area of focus. And then you worked on it. And I know your pregame cage work is, like, legendary already that people think you're a maniac in there. So, but then you came back, and you, I felt like you were laying off some of those pitches in general. And then the ones you were swinging at, you were squaring up a decent amount because those are hard pitches to hit. And do you feel like that was the main adjustment, like, in-season that you made or the, the main area of focus that you've been kind of working on is high velocity sort of?
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I thought that and I know. Didn't do great in the playoffs. I'm going to be better next year. I thought that going into the playoffs. So I was gearing up for (laughs) fastballs, and then all I got was sliders. So, like, it's when you make an adjustment, the league makes an adjustment back at you. So, like, it's just a never-ending cycle. Like, I thought for sure I was getting high fastballs all playoffs and just slider, slider, slider. So, I mean, we'll see what happens next year. But just to have that ability in my game to get to that pitch um, through the minor leagues, I never hit that pitch, but guys would make a mistake. And now they don't make that mistake. So as you, you got it,
0: as you, as you go through those struggles, you mentioned uh, it's nice to be able to have some veteran players to talk to. Uh, which one, which, which guys have you found that you can, you know, have conversations like that with about? I don't know whether it's how frustrated I am about being sent down, or how frustrated I am that they're just feeding me sliders now, or or just you know how to get along in a major league clubhouse. What are some of the vet? Who are some of the veterans that you've? leaned on i guess on the team
3: um i mean obviously carlos is outspoken he's awesome like if you ever need anything you can go to him and talk but um i really appreciated kyle farmer and his leadership and him talking to us younger guys um i think he was really important and uh you know i wish him the best going forward for emilio pagan but he was huge for us last year i thought even as a hitter um, hitter. i'm saying for me as a hitter as him as a pitcher but um yeah, I really appreciate just talking to him about I mean, he'd been through it. You know, everyone everyone gets option. I've been option. I've, I'm finally reaching free agency. So just hearing his experiences and how that was. He's been traded with multiple organizations, and that was very valuable for me. Just, I mean, I've only been with the Twins, obviously. So just hearing different perspectives. So That's I would say for me personally, I, I
2: really appreciated Kyle Farmer and Pagan. How about you, Louis? I would also say Pagan. You know, he. he he knows exactly what to say when, he understands it all, and he's eager to like help out and, and help and help like the rookies and the younger guys.
1: Huh. Was that. there anything for either of you that surprised you being in the majors where I won't act like it was easy again, but like where you thought, like you said in the playoffs, you were surprised by kind of what the scouting report is against you or facing people. Like, was there anything once you kind of got your feet set in the majors and were playing regularly that you thought, oh, this is different? And also I remember Royce talking about this, the robo-omset triple and how for high strikes, he just learned those weren't going to get called. And so you could almost eliminate it from your mind, but then you get into the majors and you're seeing a bunch of high strikes. So how weird was it having to jump up and down there too?
3: Yeah, well, one thing I'll say is I, I never listen to anything Royce says because he's a freak. And he ah. just he, he sees the game differently than yeah. me. So I mean, Nobody's good to Royce. He's that good. He's, he's yeah. unbelievable. But um, I mean, he can lay off that high pitch, so he's impressive. But um, can you go back to your question? Was there any? Was there
1: any like whether how they pitched you or the overall quality of competition? Like, because here's something that I always was
0: there any matchup that you thought? Oh, I thought this guy was going to be like this, but he's actually like this when you when you're opposed. Like, I about mound is like, oh, geez, this is different than I expected.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's just. Getting in the box and facing guys that you've watched up, you know, growing up uh, last – or the in 22, one of, maybe my third or fourth major league game, I think I faced Zach Greinke. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> like, I watched him since I was eight years old. There's certain guys like that. That's pretty surreal in the box. But then you got to remember, you know, I'm trying to get a hit against this guy and lock back <laughs> in. But um, there's just no breaks. There's, you know, in AAA you might have uh, – A good starter, but then you know maybe in the fifth, sixth inning you kind of get a guy who is just going through it a little bit, and then maybe at the back end they have another guy. But in the big leagues, everyone's good and everyone's vying to get in that final spot on the on the roster.
1: For you, was a lot of it like, oh yeah, they they can't square me up. Like my stuff is legit. Like obviously you know double A, triple A, you're putting up good numbers, you're striking people out. But is there something different about some big name hitter? You just throw a fastball by him, and in your head, are you like, oh, yeah, I'm also a big leaguer. There are also people who are not looking forward to facing me now. Yeah. Like, is there some of that involved where you sort of, not to prove it to yourself, but just kind of some proof that, like, oh, yeah, I, I have big league stuff yeah, just like it, they did. Like.
2: It, it was Mike Trout. I, I struck him out on a fastball. <laughs> I was in the zone. I'm like, how did he miss that? This is the greatest hitter ever. i right. like, I, 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 I guess I can, I, can, I can do this, you know?
0: Have you ever had a chance to talk to Perkins about facing, uh, what, Miguel Cabrera? Yeah. yeah. We're we're suddenly like, hold it, he's
1: afraid of me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's I mean, it's weird. And I think that's part of what's interesting about having three Minnesota guys on that team. Here's something. I have a question about Theobar. This question may or may not have been submitted by Caleb Theobar. (laughs) I'll let you guys know. Would you say it's true that Caleb Theobar is the best non-baseball athlete on the Minnesota Twins? Yes. Really? Okay.
3: I mean, no. But it's cl- it's way closer than you think. That guy's right. vertical is the most impressive thing okay, I've yeah. ever seen I've in my heard life. I've he's
1: like a legit basketball Unbelievable. player. Unbelievable. Yeah.
3: Like, Buxton, Buxton's the biggest freak on the team, and it's not close. But field bar, I would give him two to three for sure on the team.
1: Because okay. I know Nick Gordon considers himself, like, horse and pop-a-shot.
3: I wouldn't listen to much that Nick Gordon says.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that he also – he faces Larnick a lot. I notice in that, like they had a running total scoreboard, and I don't have the like scouting report on Larnick as a basketball player, so I'm like I don't know to be in, to be impressed or not by Nick Gordon beating him at Clubhouse Horse. But yeah, I've heard from multiple people that Caleb Fieldbar is like legit. Here's another question: Who is the on the team tells everyone or thinks of themselves <laughs> as the best athlete?
3: Nick Gordon. Nick. <laughs> was, by the way, such a quick answer. <laughs>
1: Uh, he didn't even have to think about that okay all right yeah so you're saying Nick Gordon is a good hype man in general but also for himself
3: I yeah. mean he's a better athlete than me so I have nothing to say but he's he's the best hype man. It gets. Nick I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: Aaron Gleeman and Papa
0: Shot. Who do you like?
1: Well, now you're lowering the bar <laughs> to a level that. Yeah, I
0: mean, he's. Uh, <laughs> I've heard about these MVPs you won in uh, Saint Paul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was breathing
1: heavy walking up those stairs to come onto the stage, John. You know, that's not that's not a good comparison. Uh, the other okay, so looking forward to this year. There's been a lot of the people in this room. We get questions like about the the lack of additions to the team, veteran additions to the team. But from where you guys are sitting, you guys are both examples of something that the front office and Baldelli talks about, which is just because we're not bringing in a guy that people have watched for 10 years doesn't mean that we're not able to bring up a guy like you two last year or Royce or Julian that can't step into a role and be every bit as good or possibly much, much better than someone that we can bring in. So I feel like you guys have a unique look at, as you sit there, I mean, part of the reason that you were at AAA for part of last year, and you too, was they had veterans in that spot. But then when you got an opportunity, you were both as good or better than veterans. And so how do you view, uh, you know, a quote-unquote slow offseason for a team? Because you've seen a lot of these guys at AA and AAA who were, you know, a half step behind you coming up through the majors, Mm. you know, whether it's Brooks Lee, Austin Martin, guys at AAA on the pitching side too. Are there guys that you think, you haven't seen those guys yet, but come June or July, they're going to be in a similar spot to you where all of a sudden fans are like, oh, we're glad we didn't sign so-and-so because now we have this prospect in a role.
2: And, and that is exactly it. I, I, I play with Amar, like Matt Wallner, Julian, like all the rookies, all, all like the young guys on the team now, and, and they were the greatest things in the minors. And, th- I mean, they can do it in the majors too, and, and, and their time is just coming. So I, I, would tr- I would trust in that. But a big thing for us this year is just staying healthy, I would say. And then, you know, if, if we can conquer that, would be a, we will be a really good baseball team.
1: When you uh, – velocity-wise, the thing I wrote about from your Concordia to get into top prospect status was you were adding fastball velocity. But then, obviously, you added, like we said, you added even further, three or four miles an hour once you shifted to the bullpen. Do you feel like that was a usage thing, a role thing – Mechanical thing, like was it? Is it as simple as like we had Perkins here last year, and we talked to him. He was, you know, low nineties as a starter, mid nineties as a reliever. His thing was, yeah, it was just I knew I could just sort of max it out for an inning. It was a lot different. Was that the has been the biggest thing for you, getting to mid nineties and then last year getting to high nineties, or was it more mechanical adjustments, lower an arm slot, that sort of thing?
2: I would say it's intent. Like as a starter, I tend to coast which is really normal. You coast at, like, 90% effort, so you can last five, six, seven innings. And then as a reliever, you need three outs. You're not going to coast when you need three outs. You're going to blow doors and and empty the tank. And and, and that's it. It, it It's basically intent level.
1: So do you feel like the majority of, like, average or better major league starters, if you just said to them, you're going to throw one inning, could they be – could they all add three miles an hour, basically, and be slightly more effective, uh, or is it? Are some guys' profile better being able to like shift between the two roles?
2: I would say some are able to add add the velo, but uh, like Pablo Lopez and Sonny Dre, they can throw their hardest all game, which is just incredible. It's really hard to do. I can't even do it. It, it, it boggles my mind. But I wouldn't say every every starter's like that, but I would say some.
1: And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, Matt, about was. You and Julian last year had a lot of opposite field. Yours was a lot to center. His was a lot to left. Is there something that you guys work on coming up through the minors or even once you get here to be like, how do we let the ball travel a little bit more? Or are there just some guys? Like I know Joe Maurer didn't have opposite field power necessarily, but was so opposite field focused. And I remember hearing him say basically that's just when I was a kid, it was just easier for me to do that. Is there are there drills and stuff, or can you focus on that, or is that just something that you realize coming up? Oh, I can I can do this. I don't just have to be pull heavy.
3: No, I think it's something that you have to do. I mean, Eddie, I I played with Eddie in col- in college in summer league, and he's he's always been opposite way. But in college, I would try and pull everything, and then as pitchers get better, you you got to stay on off speed and kind of try and deliver the fastball the other way. And if if you get the bat head out front, then you get out front and you pull it. But um, just helps you sit back on off-speed, at least for me. I'm always trying to think left-center with the fastball and pull the off-speed. So, I mean, I think it's not something I necessarily want to do, but it's something I just have to do to stay on pitches.
1: Yeah, they used to always say that target field was very difficult for left-handed power. Right. Jim Tomey kind of said that's not true. Wow. Well, and then also <laughs> <Jim> you, <laughs> you kind of showed last year that yeah. you can get to center, you can get to center. Like some left handed can't get to center. Hmm. How did, what did you think about – even at stuff as simple as like hitting background and all that, like how did you think Target Field played? Because I know CHS, the ball flew there pretty well.
3: Unbelievably, Last
1: year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had people, because everybody was tweeting out your numbers when you were down there being like, he's, he's crushing. And some people were like, okay, yes, he is crushing. But the whole team is slugging like 5'10 or whatever. So <laughs> what was it that made that such a crazy park, do you think? And then how did you, how do you think Target Field plays relative to that?
3: Um... Yeah, CHS, I mean, it, it flies everywhere, it's, but it's a fun part to hit at. Um, but sometimes it actually hurts me because I see, oh, the right field wall is 310 feet away. I should try and hit a homer every single pitch, and that's why I strike out 30% of the time. But, um, yeah, just target field, I love it. It's, it's so much fun to hit BP there. Um, the uh, left field bullpen, or the visitor's bullpen, is definitely the hardest place for me to get it out to. But uh, I, I, I would love to see just selfishly, when um, they first brought Target Field, they had the trees in Center yeah. field, right? I would love to yeah. see those back. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I think that's, I think those are sweet. Ah. Wow. People' they are very, the
0: trees. Very pro trees. I just didn't <laughs> realize people were that passionate about trees. Wow. I
3: thought it was just me and Sonny Gray, the weirdest guy about trees you'll ever <laughs> that, see. Was
1: that only one the first year? Did they yeah, change it was one year? One year that was there. People yeah. really fell in love with those trees in that one year. I'm, get, I'm getting booed. <laughs> and people are giving standing ovations to the concept of trees. It's really a blow to my ego today. Guys, I want to thank you guys for coming for the, for the event.
0: Uh, we'd like to finish our event. We've done this with alumni. It might be a little different with Active Twins. We like to give a quiz to our special guests about their careers to see how much they know. About their careers, all right? So let's start out with Matt. Matt, you have multiple home runs versus two pitchers in the majors. One is Bryce Miller. Who is the other pitcher that you've hit two home
3: runs against? Bryce Miller is the one I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I had multiple against two. This is um, how you know you hit a lot of homers. <laughs> I haven't hit after that, one man. full year in the majors.
0: You're like <laughs> I can't. I, I can't hit a ball. Yeah.
3: Um, multiple homers against the same pitcher. Um, <laughs> hey, look. My best guess is Lance Lynn, but that is able- correct. Okay. Lance
1: Lynn is correct. It's also just for anybody out there. If there's a trivia, I'll say this. He didn't say this. If there's a trivia question about giving up home runs, <laughs> it's not the worst fallback answer in the world. Last year, he gave up like 48 I've,
0: I've got a follow-up question for Matt, which uh, is uh, Lucas Giolito has struck you out three times in his career. That's tied for the second most of any pitcher. Which pitcher has struck you out the most in your career?
3: Oh, God, there's so many.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, which pitcher has struck you out the most? I it's a lot s- more than three times. <laughs> really? Yeah. A lot I'm more.
3: I might have the same answer with Lance Lynn.
0: It is Lance Lynn. Oh, all right. <laughs> so all right, that's so
1: you got him and he got you. That's fair. It's and, like a, yeah. and any idea how many times he struck you out?
3: It might be like six, seven. It was ten. Ten. <laughs> so that's a lot. What? Damn. I hate him. You faced.
1: <laughs> you faced Lance But you took him, to him twice. You don't have to. You don't have to face him that much anymore because now he's in LA. Or no, he's in. Wait, where did Saint Louis? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This one's for Louis.
0: Louis, how many times have you struck out Shohei Ohtani?
2: I think just once.
0: Twice. He he is the he is one of the hitters you have struck out most in your career. Shohei Ohtani. Well, there we go. By by the way, great number
2: one. Great
1: example of the difference between a uh, civilian and a major leaguer. Because I would not forget doing that twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where he's like, I yeah, think
0: Here, I Here's would. Here's what I recognize is that a lot, of, whenever we do this with players, they remember the worst parts better than they remember Be the best. That's, that's, that's,
2: that's, that's correct.
0: A related question How many times have you given up a home run to Shohei Otani?
2: Just the once? Twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should have known. He's your, he's your Lance Lynn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Let's see. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Louis Varlin. There's one batter who you have faced nine times, and he's never gotten a hit off of you. Nine times. Nine plate appearances. He's never gotten a hit off of you. Any idea
2: who? Does he play for the White Sox? Uh, All right. Yes. Very smart.
1: They'll... Narrow down. This is good.
2: I like this. Um. Man. I'm going through the lineup right now. We're trying to. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think Vaughn? I think, Vaughn?
0: Uh, Elvis Andrews. Ah.
2: <laughs> All right? All right.
0: And, uh. Let's he's see. He's 0 for 9? He is 0 for 8 with one walk. Oh.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Uh. Let's see. Uh. And how oh, – let's see. <laughs> there are five teams that you have made more than one start against. Which one do you have the lowest ERA against? Which team have you had the lowest ERA against? More than just one start.
2: Not the Yankees, not the White One Sox. start,
0: it's the Astros. Because right. you had a was really a good game was the Astros. Yeah, yeah. Right, right.
2: That was my best start. It, um Which team? It is the White
0: Sox. Yeah. And the Angels were number two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 3.24 ERA. <laughs> <the White> <laughs> but, all right, Matt, your turn to be on the hot seat. Uh, in which ballpark do you currently have the highest OPS? And I'll, I'll warn you, I think you've only played one game there. Oh, Maybe not, two. It's not the one like three blocks It's not room? Target okay. Field. Uh, it will not
1: surprise you So <laughs> wherever Lance Lynn pitched. <laughs> no, 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 the highest
3: strikeout percentage there. <laughs> um, I have no idea. <laughs> it
0: is uh, Colorado. Oh, yeah. All right, six head bats. Six bats. You league. get a home run, a double, a walk. Yeah, you just you did really well. Get uh, there. Let's see. You have any idea how many home runs you have in Target Field?
2: Uh, total ever? Yeah. Eight. Ten. Ten.
0: And Louie, do you have any idea how many home runs you've given up in Target? <laughs> <yet? laughs>
2: it, it, it might be more than ten.
0: <laughs> it's exactly ten. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys are even. All right, you guys are uh, even, Steven. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, uh, last one. Do you guys, do you have a higher OPS in day games or night games?
3: I think it's pretty glaring. No, it's pretty pretty. Uh, different
0: uh it is yes very
3: different I want to say night games
0: day games much Uh-oh. higher 933 OPS in day which games
1: I, f- I feel like that's 786
0: rare Seven eighty-six in night games I feel like a lot of people don't like day cool. games uh, 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 yeah I, I kind of figure maybe hitters generally have more uh, better OPS in day games I don't know yeah I don't know and how about you uh Louie any idea which would better been at bet- better at day or at night
2: I'm better at night.
0: You are better at yes. night. 4.01. Da, 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 da. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Let's have a big hand
2: for you, Violet
0: guys. and Matt Walder.
3: Thank you, you guys, for coming out. around for a little yeah, thank bit. You.
0: Buy him a beer. Get a selfie. <laughs> say hi. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It is time for Last Fan Standing. Oh, Woo! All right, here is how Last Fan Standing works for you newbies. You all have a red and a green card in your hands. I am going to read a statement. If you think that statement is true, you hold up a green card. If you think that statement is false, you hold up a red card. I will announce who is right and who is wrong. If you're wrong, you're out. You no longer get to play. If you are right, you get to continue on. And we keep doing that until there is a last fan standing. All right. Is everybody ready? Everybody's got their red and green cards. They're ready. It's honor system. Winners get a Cot bobblehead doll, a Tony Oliva glove, and a soda stick T-shirt or or item, clothing item. I'm not sure what. Whatever Landon wants to give you. <laughs> All right. The 2023 season postseason included the Twins' first postseason win in 18 years and then they went on to beat the Blue Jays 2 0 to advance in the postseason. How could anybody forget anything from either of those games? Well, let's find out. <laughs> True or false? The Twins struck out more times than the Blue Jays over those two games. True or false? The answer is true. Twenty-one to nineteen. True or those people who are dead, the red. You're done. Those people who are green. You get to keep playing another round. True or false? The Twins walked more than the Blue Jays in those two games. Did they walk more or less than the Blue Jays in those two games? Everybody's got their card up. You've made your choice. You can't sit one out. You sit one out, you're out. The answer is true. (laughs) Twins walked 11 times. The Blue Jays walked five times. True or false, the Twins had more hits than the Blue Jays in those two games. True or false? Everybody's got their card up. You've made your last chance to get your card up to stay in. True or false? The answer is false. (laughs) True or false, the Twins player with the most hits in the series was Royce Lewis with two. True or false? The Twins player with the most hits in the series was Royce Lewis with two hits. That is false. Carlos Correa had three. That was it. That was the most hits in the series. The Twins batting average, true or false, in those two games, the Twins batting average was 207. Exactly 207. True or false? Everybody, last chance. Put them up if you're a part of it. That is that is true. Twins took 207 over those two games. They went 12 for 58. <laughs> true or false. The twins player with the highest on-base percentage was Donovan Solano. True or false, the Twins player with the highest on-base percentage was Donovan Solano. Last chance. If you're in, you're in, you're out. That is true. Donovan Solano went 0 for 2, but he had three walks. He had 600 on base percentage. True or false? How many we got left here? Throw up your hand if you're still in it here. C3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Plenty down here. Okay, we're good. True or false? The Twins had more errors than the Blue Jays in those two games. True or false? Last chance. The answer is false. They tied. They both had one error. They both had one error. All right, I think that knocked a fair number of people out here. All right, we're going to do one more here and see where we're at. John Duran, true or false, worked two innings, and in those two innings, he struck out five batters. Johan Duran struck out five batters in those two innings that he worked. True or false? I see a couple up there. How many people I got left here? You gotta make a pick, people. The answer is, that is true. Five strikeouts and two innings of work. How many people do we have left? Am I done? One, two, you're out. One, two, anybody else? Three? All right, let's bring them down. All three, come on down. Come on to the stage. Oh, I need some pens and paper. Can somebody bring me some of the, the, pe- the uh, markers from over there and a uh, couple pieces of paper? Or Or bring me three of the red green things, something like that. Are we right uh, come on up, come up to the stage here. Uh, got I've got the paper. I'm good. All right, we will have we'll have some lovely parting prizes for you if you don't win. Somebody's gonna win the big one, and somebody's gonna win some other parting prizes, all right. All right. All right, here we go. Okay. All right, I'm going to give you each a pen and paper. You're going to want to not show this to the other two. All right. At this point, we just play closest to the pin. I'm going to, I'm going to not over, under, no price is right rules, none of that crap. You just get closest to the number that is right. <laughs> All right. The length of the the length of the two games, the time required to play both games was what? How long did it take to play both games in terms of play time? From first pitch to last out, combining the two together. How long did it take? Save it. Hold on to it. Everybody got their answer. How long did the games take combined? All right, I'm going to pass around the mic. You give us your name and your guess. All right.
3: Uh, My name is Carl. I came here from Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) To say that the time was
0: Five hours and three minutes. Five hours and three minutes. My name's Morgan. I was in the hospital during these games, so uh, on medication, I say five hours. Five hours. Five hours and three minutes, five hours. Hi, I'm Steve. Playoff games always take longer. I'm
1: saying five hours, 45 minutes.
0: Five hours and 45 minutes. The winner is... Steve, the game took five hours and 31 minutes. <laughs> Congratulations! All right. All right. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you these two. Hold on, folks, uh, and then uh, go downstairs, get uh, talk to Soda Stick. You get something from Soda Stick as well. And for our consolation prize, I've got a uh, bat signed by Bailey Ober. <laughs> a tiny little bat signed by Bailey Ober. And a uh, puck from the Winter Classic, from Minute Target Field, and a Joe Maurer hat from the Joe Mauer hat giveaway. So yeah, congratulations, folks! Thank you very much.